This message by Bill Kittrell was recorded during a Sunday celebration service for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Bill serves as a senior pastor on staff at Cornerstone Church. Please turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel, the Old Testament, chapter 17. If you're here with us and you don't have a copy of the Scriptures, if you'll raise your hand and leave it up for just a minute, our ushers will come and give you a free copy of the Bible. You can turn to 1 Samuel 17. We're going to read a lot of verses today in this Old Testament narrative story. I want you to be able to follow along, so just raise your hand there. and Everyone turn with me to 1 Samuel 17 in God's providence when we need faith this morning for a church plant. We're going to look at the story of David and Goliath. I know none of you have ever heard of that story. We're going to read a lot of verses beginning in verse 19. 1 Samuel, our series on 1 Samuel. Chapter 17, beginning in verse 19. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. And as he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard them. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who's come up? Surely he's come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Look down to verse 31. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul. And he sent for him, and David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war. From his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him, delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant 
has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook, put them in his shepherd's pouch. And his sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield-bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. And then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. And this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hand. And when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine, and David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. And there was no sword in the hand of David. This is God's inspired, infallible, and errant word. And I feel like if I say anything, I'm going to ruin it. I feel like just dismissing and going home. You just can't improve on that. Verse 1 of the chapter says, The Philistines gathered their armies for battle. First Samuel opens, First Samuel 17 opens with those ominous words. It's, it's a difficult moment for Israel. The leadership has failed. We've, we've seen this threat from the Philistines all throughout 1 Samuel. And the Lord delivered them in the early chapters. But they demanded a king, like the rest of the nations anyway. They wanted stability. They wanted security. They wanted safety. And there was hard fighting all the days of Saul. 
And those opening words remind us he has failed. David and Goliath is one of the most famous stories in the Bible. It's it's one of the all-time favorite stories in the world. It's filled with drama. It's exciting. (laughs) There's, There's this good guy beating the the bad guy against all odds. It's, it's unforgettable. It's very skillfully told. I encourage you to go home and read 1 Samuel 17 and just think about it. It, it grabs your attention. It captures your imagination. It's a gift from God. But most importantly, it's, it's significant. It's not make-believe. It doesn't come to us in a storybook. It comes to us in God's holy word. And so we who read this story should ask, what's it about? What does it mean? There's a best-selling author named Malcolm Gladwell, and he thinks he knows the answer. He wrote a book and he called it David and Goliath. Underdogs, misfits, and the art of battling giants. He's not a Christian. He's not Jewish, but he does love the Jewish people. He's not a theologian. He's not coming to this story the way we are this morning as followers of Christ. I like the guy. I think he's a great writer. And I appreciate his respect for the Bible. Mr. Mr. Gladwell thinks... There is deep significance to this story. It just isn't theological. In other words, it's not about God. He says, David and Goliath, he's referring to his book, is a book about what happens when ordinary people confront giants, powerful opponents of all kinds. He tells the story throughout the book of different people who are kind of like David and take on other giants. He believes there's a lot of truth here and that all the things that we think of as valuable come from these kinds of moments where people are facing overwhelming odds and they just produce greatness. But he says we consistently misunderstand these events. He says giants are not what we think they are. And he includes this story from 1 Samuel 17. And he reduces Goliath and makes him more manageable for David. He wants to show us how David did it so we'll have a guide for how to face giants. He thinks everyone's wrong about this story. And I don't disagree. There's a lot of misreading of this story. A lot of people read it the way he reads it. Here's my point. I think this story is about the one true living God being with His people to deliver them for His purpose. That's my main point today. Gladwell says everyone thinks Goliath was expecting a warrior like himself and he got fooled and the battle was won by the underdog. But that's a mistake. You're missing the significance of the story. David won because he was a slinger. And the sling was a devastating weapon. He quotes a ballistics expert who says that the stone that David slung would travel 34 meters a second. Goliath had as much chance against David as any Bronze Age warrior with a sword would have against a 45 caliber pistol. 
Goliath was just behind the times. Slingers could beat infantry any day. And, and what you need to know is when you go up against giants like Goliath and they're so intimidating, look for the weakness. And he had a medical condition. That's why he was so big and moved so slow. And that's why he couldn't see very well. And he said to David, why do you come to me with sticks? David only had one stick, but he saw two sticks because he had a medical condition. Goliath was vulnerable. Giants are vulnerable. David hunted bear with a sling because a sling was a devastating weapon. I've called this message, hunting bear with a sling. You're an idiot if you do it. He doesn't quote David fully. Here's the key. Verse 36. This is what David thought. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has mocked the armies of the living God. And the Lord, verse 37, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. That's the significance. Throughout this text, there is a God in Israel. Israel's armies are the armies of the living God. This God saves not with sword and spear and not with sling. The battle is the Lord's. The Lord gives victory. He delivers from lions. He delivers from bears. He delivers from giants. He is with His people. He delivers them. He has a purpose for them. Like planting churches in Athens. Walter Brueggemann says this. He's a commentator on 1 Samuel. Only those who share the faith of David and have heard his confession would know that he has a massive resource beyond his own power that operates for him. Namely, the powerful, faithful, living God of Israel. I want to study this passage this morning for just a few minutes that your faith in that God may be built. There are a few truths here that we see play out in this story that are true for David and they're true for you. Three, the Lord is with you because of Christ. The Lord is with you. Number two, the Lord is with you to deliver you. And finally, the Lord is with you to deliver you, to give you victory for a purpose. He has a purpose for every believer in this room. Number one, the Lord is with you. And if you're not a Christian today, my hope and prayer is that you will come to this one true living God through the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that He gave His life for the world that God loved, that sinners like me and you, might be saved. The Lord is with you. 
If you remember back when we first met David in chapter 16, the one thing people said about him, the Lord's with that kid. It's what we learned about him. If you knew David, you just thought, that, that's a kid the Lord is with. And people who saw David, or knew him, or hung out with David, they had this impression. The Lord is with him. He had a reputation. In the background of this story of David and Goliath is an insecure people, the Israelites. But what's clear is they don't recognize what their biggest threat is. It's not the Philistines. It's not the other enemies that they face. It's not the giants. It's they've forgotten. They've forgotten the one true living God that chose them and has always been faithful. He has always delivered them. And this this is why the story of David and Goliath is so important. Don't see this. As a a novel. This is not make-believe. It's meant to encourage your faith because we too have a sinful tendency when we get in a battle and we face giants to drift away from the Lord and try to find a better way. And this story is meant for you. So when you have a battle, when you have a test, When you have a trial, you won't drift away from the Lord. It says to us, when you're afraid, put your trust in God. Seek the Lord, and He will deliver you from all your fears. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Remember, in chapter 16, the Spirit of the Lord rushed on David. Saul is the king who failed. He disobeyed. Because of his unbelief, the Spirit departed from him, but the Spirit rushed on David. David knew the Lord. He was filled with the Spirit. That's the point of this story. The Lord was with David. He chose him to be his king. He's God's chosen deliverer. So everyone's unbelief in 1 Samuel 17 is wrong. David says in verse 32, and we love it when he does, your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. The king that's supposed to be delivering, he's cowering in his tent. The armies of Israel are cowering. The king is saying, I'll give you riches. I'll bless your family. Somebody, just go fight this Philistine. Not David. I'll go fight him. To David's brother, it's, it's foolish. In fact, his brother, the oldest, remember that Samuel was just totally convinced was God's chosen king. He's angry at David when he makes this faith-filled confession. Ever had anybody get mad at you when you trust God? Eliab is one of those people. He accused David of evil motives. Look, it's reasonable to fear Goliath and doubt David when you're seeing the way men see. Remember? 1 Samuel 16, men 
look on the outward appearance. God has a different perspective, doesn't He? God looks on the heart. If, if Saul and the Israelites and David's brother and everybody else could see as God sees, they would see that their fears are just unbelief. God's people don't fear because God is with them. And David is right. His confession is true. It's good. Does this sound like the Gospel message? It should. It's the Gospel message. Remember in Luke 2, the angel said to the shepherds, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day, in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord is born this day. I messed that up. It's very similar, isn't it? Don't fear. Because this little baby back in a manger is going to save you. Yet you shouldn't be afraid. You're going to be saved from all your enemies by one who's wrapped in swaddling clothes. This is how God works. This is how man sees. This is why the Gospel is foolish to some people. It's a stumbling block. So Saul says to David, filled with unbelief, you're not able, verse 33, to go against this Philistine. You're a youth. He's a man of war. There's great description of Goliath in the first part of the chapter. You can go back and read it on your own. It talks about his size, over nine feet tall. Talk, talks about his armor. He had, he had chest armor that weighed 125 pounds. He had a, a javelin, a spear. The head of it weighed 15 pounds. He was huge. He was big. He was meant to be intimidating. And, and Gladwell is very wrong to think that the narrator of this story wants us to, to know that David killed him with superior weaponry. That the whole picture of Goliath is nothing on this earth can stop this man. There is no champion like this champion. That's the point the narrator is making. And then Goliath begins to mock. He mocks God. He mocks God's armies. He mocks David. It's a theme of the whole chapter. That's the point. It's a hopeless, impossible situation with a great mocking opponent. It's perfect for the people of God. The truth is, the Lord is with you. Point number two. It's also true He's with you, and He is there to deliver you. They come, they tell, Dave, they tell Saul what David said. Saul says, bring him to me. And David says to Saul in verse 32, let no man's heart fail because of this giant. Your servant will go and fight with him. Don't be anxious. The people are anxious. Saul is fearful. Everybody's dismayed. David said, don't let anybody be discouraged. This is a little red-headed kid. Don't let anybody be discouraged. And nobody's buying into it. So he gives Saul, in verse 34 a little more information, to let him know this wasn't his first rodeo. 
Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. He apparently anticipates a promotion here. I'm not going back to my dad. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb, I went after it. I got a job to do. I got work to do. I protect that lamb. And if he rose up against me, I caught him by his beard. Don't try this at home. I've struck him down. And this Philistine is going to be like one of them. He has mocked God. He has mocked the armies of the living God. And the Lord delivered me from the paw of the bear, and He's going to deliver me from this Philistine. So nobody should be discouraged. Quite a speech, one commentator said. Quite a boy, quite a faith. Not found anywhere else in Israel. You've got to love David. What you hear from David is confidence. It's not self-confidence. It's not, man, I got a sling. It's like a 45 caliber pistol. And I'll just shoot him between the eyes. That's not his confidence. His confidence is in the Lord. The Lord was with him. The Lord had delivered him before. He was always faithful. And he would deliver him this time. It affected Saul. His his faith is encouraged. Go! The Lord be with you. I read an article about how to pay for a prayer in India. The title of the article was How Much Would You Pay for a Prayer? There's these apps now for a prayer to get divine intervention in your life. And tens of thousands of people in India are turning to what's called e-puja, if I'm pronouncing that right. Puja is a Hindu devotional prayer ritual. So e-puja is the internet version. It's a company that charges $15 for a ritual to be performed for you at one of their in-network temples. In other words, they've gone around to all their temples and found guys that agree to do this. And so they can have this ritual performed, and you don't have to actually go to the temple. So it's very expensive and difficult to get there, but now you can have an app on your iPhone, and you can get the ritual performed for $15. They have a smartphone app. And so they say, summoning a godly intercession is as easy as ordering pizza. You can connect to God in one click. You just pay this fee. And one person knowledgeable of Hinduism said, in the theology in India, there's much more value given to the ritual itself. Now, my point is, is David isn't about ritual. If you remember, Saul was about ritual. This is not about ritual. This is about the value of having the one true and living God present with you to deliver you. 
That's what this is about. Prayer is fellowship with the one true living God. And David is confident because he's known as a young man, the Lord is with him. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed on him. And he knows the Lord and he's experienced the Lord's deliverance. You know, immediately Saul comes in. You look down in verse 38, Saul clothed David with his armor. He said, okay, you go and fight him. But he clothes him with his armor. He puts on his helmet. Clothes him with his coat of mail. And David says to him, I can't go with these. Saul is still thinking about what he can see. He's looking like a man looks. Saul's armor is like Goliath's. But David wasn't a king like Saul. He was not a king like the other nations. Saul's way of battle was not David's way of battle. David needed the Lord. It was his only hope. David knew that to defeat Goliath was going to take what it took to defeat a bear. He needed God's empowering presence. That's our hope of victory. 1 Corinthians 15, 56, The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. What's foolish is to think when you're in the midst of the battle, when you face the giant, that there's any way, any other way of deliverance besides the victory of Christ. And that's why Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So he's not ashamed of the gospel, because therein is the power. And all of us are tempted when we're in the midst of trial, tested, when there's a battle, to find another way. When it goes on and on and on and on, we start looking around and let me tell you, I promise you other options are going to be given to you. Don't ever move away from the gospel. That's where the power is. Because the Gospel brings us into God's presence through Jesus Christ. He makes a way. We come boldly to the throne of grace because of Christ. And He's with us. It's a word for those folks planting that church in Athens. It's a word for you. You have... Everything you need to succeed in Athens. Kent read it in our call to worship. Every blessing because of Christ. It's there for you. You don't need anything else. Do not move away from the gospel. And you can have confidence. As you, I want you to run to Athens. Leave your cars in the lot today and run to Athens. <laughs> run with confidence. Run boldly. Do not be afraid. Nobody should lose heart. You will have opposition. You will have tests and trials. Do not lose heart. 
You may be a parent of a teenager. The gospel is the power of God for parenting. Don't give up. Don't lose hope. Don't look for other alternatives. Don't go a different direction. You may be a mother with small children. You talk about Goliath. The Christian life, though, is a life of victory. We do have weapons. We have spiritual weapons for a spiritual war. Which brings us to the last point. The Lord is with you to give you victory for a purpose. David was chosen by the Lord. His calling included walking out towards Goliath of Gath, the giant Philistine warrior, the champion of a nation of warriors. And David was chosen for this moment. And it's true for every one of God's people. He has a purpose for you. And He delivers you. And He gives you victory for a reason. Who knows the difficult circumstances today you face. They require courage. That require faith. Who knows what the Lord is doing. We do know this. He has a purpose. And it is a good purpose. It's for your good, your ultimate good. It's faith building. And it's for His glory. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't compromise. You have a part to play in this work that God is doing. The, the, the giant was massive. The narrator goes to great links to tell us how intimidating this guy was. He wants us to feel this. And then verse 42, he, he sees David and he disdains him. He mocks him. He mocks his God. He mocks the armies of Israel who are cowering on the mountain and he mocks David. He was filled with contempt. He cursed David by his gods. And there we get a picture of what is the real war. He defied the living God. He did not fear God. The real war is between this true God and all his opponents. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 says, There's one God, and there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave Himself as a ransom for all. It's not a popular verse in our culture. It is our verse. It's what we preach. It's what we believe. And we need to stick with it. There's one God. This is the war. This is more than the Philistines against the Israelites. This is a warrior who's calling on his gods against a kid who's calling on the one true living God. The creator and ruler of all. That's our calling. I've been thinking about the moon a lot. I'm sure you have too. 
new movie out called First Man about Neil Armstrong walking on the moon. New book out, Rocket Men about Apollo 8. And I listened to an interview of the commander of Apollo 8, which was the first journey to the moon. They, they were kind of doing a practice run for the guys that walked on the moon. The commander was Frank Borman. He's now 90 years old. He said the psychologist that interviewed him prior to his mission said he was the most uncomplicated man you've ever met. At, at 90, he said now, his mission is to take care of his high school sweetheart and wife who has Alzheimer's disease. He's had it for nine years. He's a great guy. <laughs> you would like him. When asked about the moon, he said it was ugly. <laughs> you know what struck him? Earth. We watch a moon rise, we watch a sunrise, he watched the earth rise from the moon. This is the most beautiful thing he'd ever seen. This is not a romantic guy. <laughs> <laughs> he said it was blue and green. Everything out in space is not blue and green. There's one little planet that is blue and green, and everything I loved was on that planet, my wife and my two kids. When I heard that, I thought, yeah. God created one little planet. All you Star Wars fans, Star Trek fans, forget it, <laughs> okay? There's one little planet with life on it, it's got water and air, bears and lions and giants. And God's got a purpose for it because he created man in his image. And you have a purpose. The Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And he had every reason to be confident, but he didn't realize God was with that kid. The God of Israel chose David. Talk about your superpower. Well, the real powerful man has supernatural power. True, real, supernatural power that is given when the living God is with him and empowers him. I've seen it. David looked at Goliath and says, you, you're coming with a sword and you're coming with a spear and you're coming with a javelin. I'm coming. I've got all these Clint Eastwood lines coming to my mind right now. I'm coming <laughs> with the one true living God, sovereign king over all his creation. And I'm not afraid. And I'm going to win. Because he's going to deliver you into my hand, just like he did that lion, and just like he did that bear. Because he is with me, he's going to deliver me, and he has, he has a purpose. He's going to give me victory today because I'm serving his purposes. 
He said this, I come in the name of the Lord. You have mocked the Lord. And now I will destroy you. And the whole world will know who God is. And that's his purpose. So go, Athens church plant. Preach the gospel. Win the victory for the glory of God. The battle is the Lord's. To all of us, the Lord is with you to deliver you for a purpose. You know, David prefigures Christ. God works national deliverance through David. God works international salvation through Christ. Close with this verse, Hebrews 2. Since therefore the, the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death we're subject to lifelong slavery. You are delivered through Christ. Your battles are the Lord's battles, and victory belongs to the Lord. Father, we thank you today for the Word of God. Lord, I thank you for the special blessing that comes to the church when we gather together and we listen to your Word. You build our faith, Lord, in my prayer for this congregation. And this new congregation in Athens is that, Lord, our faith in You would be built for Your glory alone. Let us be believers, Lord. Let us not be doubters. Let us not give up. Let us not be weak. Let us not be dismayed. When we are tested and tried in the midst of the battle, let us remember David, Lord, and Your empowering presence. Lord, I pray that you would fill each and every one with your spirit and the knowledge of your will for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message given by Bill Kittrell during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865 694 4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.